everybody. Welcome to Dime with the Divine. I'm Ashley, your host, and together we'll be exploring the magical, the mystical, and everything in between. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about spells for your home and Ireland's favorite goddess. I hope you are all having a wonderful day. And if not, I hope it gets better soon. Today, we have a fantastic guest as usual. Today, we have Amber Light of the Hearth and Hedge podcast. Amber Light is a practicing witch with a lot of eclectic inspiration in her craft. She is a mother of three humans, two dogs, and the wife of a heathen with an epic beard. She grew up in this desert southwest where the land of enchantment had a lot of influence on her spirituality. So, Amber Lee, how are you doing? I am great. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you. So... I always start off asking people, I know you said in here you um, grew up in the Southwest. Is there anything in particular that started you on your spiritual journey that you can think of that like really jet set it? Yes. Yes, actually. Uh, I can tell you the exact moment. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's hear it. I love that. I don't remember what age I was. I think I was about 10. My my mother gave me $100 spending Mm -hmm. money for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And then we went to Phoenix for the day, which was really weird. Not something we ever did, but was, I think her, probably her rich boyfriend did it for us. But (laughs) so we flew to Phoenix for the day to go shopping. And I just wandered into a metaphysical store. And I found this book called Dancing with Dragons by DJ Conway. And that changed my life. That was it. I grew up as a Christian and Mormon, but Dancing with Dragons really was always at the back of my mind. So I came back to it eventually. (laughs) Okay. And Dancing with Dragons, is this a fictional book or nonfiction? It is a nonfiction. It's a metaphysical book. Okay. DJ Conway, she's passed, but she was an author of a lot of great books. Dancing with Dragons is one of them. By Oak, Ash, and Thorn is another. I'm sure if I kept looking at my quick shelter, I would see more. But (laughs) she's a great metaphysical author. In the 90s is when she was really popular. So she's one of those older ones that has um, some controversial sides to her. But like many of the others, she paved the way for where we are now. Interesting. Interesting. With your craft, is it more just doing the actual witchcraft of it? Or is there, because I know a lot of people are, do like witchcraft, but they're also Mm -hmm. Wiccans or they're not Wiccans, or they subscribe to something. Do you subscribe to any specific kind of dogma or are you just doing your craft the way you want to do it? So I'm pretty eclectic. I pick and choose from a lot of different traditions, Mm -hmm. things that speak to me. Mm -hmm. Obviously, my Celtic heritage, I try and I feel very close to Celtic and Norse because that's where my lineage is. Mm -hmm. But since I grew up in the Southwest, I have a lot of Southwestern influences, a lot of Catholic influences, Native American influences, just because that's what I grew up knowing. So yes, I I guess eclectic. That's the word. That's all there is. Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. I always just ask people because I don't know too much about... So here's the thing. <laughs> when I was like 
growing up and getting into different kinds of spirituality and things like that, I would hear like witchcraft and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And I read different books and I go to Barnes and Noble and I'd sit with them and read. And I would always see it from a mostly Celtic, Norse, like Eurocentric view of things. So I was always like, okay, what else kind of witchcraft or like what kind of now we say witchcraft a lot of times and it's just very I always want to know what people where their like lineage with it is because mm-hmm. it's just such a general word. Every country in the world, every culture has its own version. So I always just ask that because I'm like, where does yours come from? Do you know the history? And I always think, like you're saying, go with what your lineage goes with, which is good in a lot of the history, obviously, about it. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people don't. And I think that's where it ends up being problematic is when people don't know anything about, even when we learn about like people, oh, we burn, oh, you burn sage to clear. But it's like when, mm-hmm. when nobody knows what the origin of that is, it, that's when people get upset. And I think, right. it, so I always try to ask people, obviously with you, it's easy because you're very knowledgeable about these things. But some people are like, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm not here to shit on anybody or anything. That's not what I'm saying. I just always think it's so important for all of us to learn exactly what we're doing and why we're doing it. That's why I was asking that question. It was a great question. (laughs) Yeah, the long and short of it. Yeah, so the other thing I wanted to talk to you about before we start our other sections is you have a podcast, The Hearth and the Hedge. What inspired you to start the podcast? You have a lot of really good authors on there and you have a lot of good conversations what inspired you to do that? Okay. A few years ago, I came back to my craft. My my eldest daughter, who's actually my stepdaughter, she is one of my favorite humans, of course. She's my oldest daughter. But she came to me one day and she was like, Mom, you're a witch. Because we're talking about, I don't know, probably my garden or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so... Both of my girls are also witches. Mm. Um, and it was something that I thought would bring us together. Originally, The Hearth and Hedge was not going to be a podcast. It was going to be like a website where I blogged and we did whatever it is you do on websites. And and at first, everyone was like, yeah, let's do it. And then it took all by the wayside. Mm-hmm. And so I was the only one really working on it. So I just set it aside. And then I started thinking about, I could do it. I could do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years ago, I went to this really amazing retreat in Pennsylvania called Anahata's Purpose. Mm -hmm. And I met the most amazing women and another podcast, another two podcast groups, the ladies from the Witch Bitch Amateur Hour Mm -hmm. and the host of Your Average Witch. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to them about my idea for the podcast and they really pushed me to do it. They really supported Mm. me. And so that's how it happened. And it's almost been two years and it seems absolutely bonkers. So that's how long it's been. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, good. Yeah. Your podcast is really fun. It's very informative. I really have enjoyed it so far. This is a couple episodes. It's pretty good. Okay, so next we're going to go to our dish of the week. Because you have this magical history and because you are this magical person, we're going to use a book that I've used before, A Kitchen Witch's Cookbook, which is pretty fun, by Patricia Telesco. 
And I know you said you like to do breads and soups, right? Yeah. Okay. So we, I got some recipes in here that are pretty good. I will post these up on the blog. And I hope by the time this episode comes out, because oh, we are pretending we are in the future. I hope I'm better <laughs> with my blog. So I just want to apologize to everybody because I just want everyone to know I work 40 hours a week. Actually, that's not true. I work about 45 to 50 hours a week in my like regular muggle life. So I try to put things on the blog and sometimes it doesn't happen, but I'll do my best. All right. So the first one we have is simple, but I like it. It sounds really good. We have cornbread and honey, cornbread with honey. And in the early days, this is what it says in the book. In the early days of the United States, these were often called journey cakes because they traveled well and provided good nourishment. For the portable form, however, the honey should be omitted. Yeah, the honey will probably make it a little soft and all that good stuff. He makes it sticky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to just be carrying that around. And probably if you were on like the Oregon Trail, it's not good to have a bunch of sticky stuff in your wagon. <laughs> probably pretty bad. Um, bears. Um, so for this, you would use one cup of cornmeal, um, half a cup of flour, two teaspoons of sugar, two teaspoons table baking powder, half teaspoon baking soda, one teaspoon salt, one and a half cups of buttermilk, one quarter cup of vegetable oil, two eggs, two tablespoons of butter, and two tablespoons of honey, and maybe a dash of cinnamon if you want. And you cook these bad boys up. They sound really good. You can even add some ginger or some vanilla. So the magical attributes of this dish are safe travel, abundance, cycles, reincarnation, and divine blessings. And some of the celebrations that it's cooked for are rituals for the dead, festival of brightness, Brendan's voyage, which I don't know what that is, but I'll try to find out. St. Stephen's, yeah, St. Stephen's festival and Thanksgiving. Okay, Brendan, I don't know what your voyage is all about, but that's cool. <laughs> Brendan, <laughs> who knows him? All right. Our next bread dish, we have elderflower fritters, which is, this is from, oh. yeah, this is from medieval England. So our quote in here, it says, it is bad luck to burn elder wood as the smoke draws evil intentions. Ooh, okay. I didn't know that. It's believed that both the cross of Christ and a hanging tree of Judas were made of elder. On a happier note, though, the French use elderflowers to pack apples. They claim this enhances the flavor. Okay, cool. Um, for this one, you're going to use one egg, one teaspoon of rose water. Um, and I never knew until, like, I think it was two or three years ago that you could use rose water in a recipe. But you can. Yeah. I never knew. So, actually, the first time I've ever had rose water in a recipe was at this Persian restaurant uh, here in New Jersey. It's in Morristown. Again, I think I've mentioned this before. And I had rosewater ice cream. Ooh, and yum. it was so, it's so delicious. It's like, it's so good. It's unbelievably delicious. And I want it now. So for this recipe, use one egg, one cup rising, self-rising flour, one teaspoon of rosewater, a quarter teaspoon of cinnamon, half cup honey, two cups elderflowers, two tablespoons brandy, and some, oh, that's it. And for this, the magical attributes we have are protection from the fairy folk. Okay. Trust, beauty. Yeah, usually we have rose water. It's like a beauty thing too. Energy for attraction and magical ambiance. And celebrations are that go with it are May Day, Lamas Died, 
Valentine's Day, and the Hollows. Okie dokie smoky. Interesting. I did, while you were reading that, look up Brendan. Okay. I will fix that, that question. Solve that mystery. That's what I was trying to say. Awesome. I have a podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Brendan of Clonfort, I'm sure I said that wrong, mm. lived around AD 484 to mm-hmm. 577 and is one of the early Irish monastic saints mm. and one of the 12 apostles of Ireland. Oh. He is mainly known for his legendary voyage to find the Isle of the Blessed which is sometimes referred to as St. Brendan's Island. So I'm guessing that's his journey. His journey. <laughs> and the feast day is May 16th. So I'm guessing that's when Okay. the food is made. Nice. Now we know all about Brendan. Thank you so much for coming, Brendan, <laughs> for showing up for us. This has been great. Um, <laughs> oh. All right. So we also have two soups here. The first one I wanted to mention because dandelions get such a bad rap. Mm-hmm. They are weeds, quote unquote, but they're actually every part of a dandelion is edible. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really good. People make dandelion mead, they make dandelion honey, they make dandel- they put dandelions in salads. Like it's good. I feel bad for dandelions. Everyone acts like they're annoying because they're actually great. They're nutritious. So you can make dandelion soup. This is something you'd probably make in the spring when dandelions are plentiful. So what it says here is Oliver Weldon Holmes likens the color of the dandelion to sparks that have leapt from the kindling sun's fire. In the language of flowers, it symbolizes prophecy. Time celebrate. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Everybody cannot talk today. Time, celery, and bay are for psychic awareness. Okay. So in this soup, you yeah, in this soup you have two tablespoons of butter, two tablespoons of flour, two cups of milk, two cups dandelion flowers, one eighth teaspoon celery seed, one eighth teaspoon thyme, one bay leaf, one hard boiled egg. Okay, cute. Magical attributes are divination, creativity, and air magic. And the celebrations are smell the breeze day. Okay, and other spring rituals. I guess that's a spring thing. Cool. The pardon of the birds and the New Year's Day. I nice. feel like this, this author is just like making up reasons to celebrate. <laughs> yeah. Like, smell the breeze. That's it's today. Like, <laughs> it's like I was looking up some like different holidays for like different months today. And it was like, today is Ginger Cat Day. Or like September 4th is National like silly face day you're like who made right. this decision like, <laughs> said this like who put this into law this is ridiculous i think the day that this publishes should be uh national stupid holiday day yeah <laughs> that works so whatever yeah. day this publishes that's what that day is we declare national it. dumb holiday day yeah exactly <laughs> you hear that everybody in the future it's national dumb holiday day um, and our last soup we have here is passion porridge. I just like the name yeah. of it. Yes, in passion porridge, I hope you don't have a seafood allergy because you might have to have some here. There's many kinds of shellfish that have been used to help warm the most difficult spirits. The cream version of this soup is more goddess oriented. 
in this in this soup we have half a cup of lean bacon, okay? Two cups of diced potatoes, one cup chopped onion, one cup crab meat, one pint of oysters minced, 16 ounce can of minced clams, three stalks of celery, two carrots, half a teaspoon of salt, one fourth teaspoon of pepper, two cups milk. Okay. And you drain off the fat from this thing and then you drink it. Sounds okay. I'm not too keen on oysters, but I mean, I've only had them once, so I gotta try them again, I think. <laughs> yes, I, would I say love that. all seafood. Yeah, all okay. I like, I don't, okay, I've had mussels before and I didn't like it, but somebody's like, because you're trying to find it the right way. Maybe I didn't, I don't know. I love crab meat. I love a crab bisque, a lobster bisque. I mean, I love a lobster bisque. I like shrimp, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe one day I'll have this. But the magical attributes are desire, fever, not fever, fervor, affection, and intense passion. Seafood, I feel like I should be able to figure this out. But seafood is always like a, ends up being like a sexual thing, right? Like a lusty yeah. Oysters are an aphrodisiac, apparently. Yeah. I've never experienced that when I had oysters, (laughs) but I'm sure somebody somewhere gets all hot and bothered when they see a slimy. I know. Yeah. I mean, they're delicious, but I don't ever feel sexy when I'm like (laughs) eating it. (laughs) Nothing sexy about it. (laughs) You're like slurping it down. Like it's a lot. Um, I don't know what's hot about that. And I guess, I don't know. Um, some of the celebrations with this soup are honey honeymoons, conception rituals, couples retreats, and spring rituals. Okay, cool. So those are some of our magical dishes of the week. All right, and now we get to the point of the show where I plug myself. Hi, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the episode. So I wanted to introduce our new membership program. It's called the Diners Club. So first of all, I just want to say that all of our regular episodes will always be free forever to the public as long as you want to listen to them. But we're opening a new exclusive membership for people who want a little bit more. The link will be in In the show notes. You can sign up anytime. You can also discontinue anytime. So Our first level in the Diners Club is being a devotee of the morning meal. That's our $5 level. So at the $5 level, you get into the Discord chat where you can chat the day away with other people who enjoy the podcast, who may enjoy other spiritual, witchy, historical subjects that you might like to. Then you also get our book club, which we're going to have a different book every month. It's very low pressure. It's very chill. We're going to probably do a lot of the authors that we have on the show. So that'll be a lot of fun. You also get a weekly bonus episode, which I'm calling Second Servings. It's going to come out every Monday. You also get to submit questions that you want answered. If you want to ask me a question, if you want to ask about a former episode or a subject that we've talked about, you'll be free to ask those questions. Our next level is the Mystics of Brunching. This is our $7 level. For the Mystics of Brunching, you get everything you get at the devotee level, but you also get a sticker and a postcard from me. 
The stickers are actually really cute. They're little glitter stickers. I actually really love them. You also get a one-time shout out where you get to tell me what your favorite folktale or story is. Our third level is Saints of the Sacred Supper. That's our $10 level. So at the $10 level, you get everything you get from the devotee level, from the mystic level, and then you also get your episodes a day early. You get a special enamel pin and you get 15% off all merch. So I hope I get to see you in the Discord chat because I think it's going to be a really, really good time. All right, back to the show. We are going to talk about, since you have, Amberly, a podcast called The Hearth and Hedge, I was like, let's find some cute spells for the home. <laughs> yeah, I was like, let's read about some cute stuff. So is there any magical things that you like to do for your own home? A few times a year, my daughter and I like re-up the wards around the house. We Mm -hmm. draw sigils on all of the windows. I usually do that with moon water and a Mm Q-tip. And my daughter has taken to drawing a sigil on the refrigerator door so that every time you open the fridge, you can give it some energy. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the sigil is for. It's probably like a higher allowance or something, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so we do that what else do i do i burn a lot of incense and mm. i try and keep my house it's probably really smoky in my house all the time and you a big smoke out every morning and i just try and let my 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 home my house mm-hmm. know that i love it perfect that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. Yeah, they always say you should talk to your home. It's a really good thing mm-hmm. to do. Tell your home you appreciate it. Hi, my home. I appreciate you. Just want to remind you guys if you didn't know. Also, just in case anybody doesn't know what a sigil is, it is like a magic. You can always Google this and I'll put it in the show notes in case anybody wants to investigate more. It's basically a magical symbol that you can make and there's different ways to do it. There's specific types for specific places, but the way that I know most commonly, and you can tell me if you do it differently, Amberly, but is say you have a phrase or a word that you are thinking of, say your word is like happiness. Okay. You take the letters, you take out certain letters, usually it's the vowels. You then take the remaining letters and combine them in a artistic form. Usually you use the lines to make basically a symbol. The symbol usually ends up being like in a, it just ends up being like, okay, if you've ever seen like a rune, a lot of the time it ends up looking like a rune, something like Mm -hmm. that. You take out any repeating letters and you combine those letters together and you use those as magical symbols so if you did it and you the word was happiness you would use that as a magical symbol for happiness and you may put it somewhere in say you're looking for more happiness at your job you may do that and put it near your desk you may put it somewhere in your pocket maybe you write it down and you put it in your wallet things like that so it depends on your Mm -hmm. intention but There's lots of different ways to make sigils. There's lots of different books that have been written about sigils. So it's really easy to figure it out. And as long as if you want to make a ritual around it, people do that too. And it's a magical way of protecting yourself and manifesting. Right. Yeah. So one really great sigil book, if you're interested, is Mm -hmm. Sigil Magic. I I think it's Sigil Magic. It might be Sigil Witchery by Mm -hmm. Laura Tempest Zakroff. Okay. I went to a conferences here in the spring and 
Tempest was there and she makes the most beautiful, amazing symbols. And her process is much different than you and I. I mean, that's usually the way that I used to do it. Mm -hmm. She thinks of whatever the intention is. Mm -hmm. It's community strength, right? Yeah. She would think of symbols for community. So what does community mean to you? So maybe like a circle, right? Togetherness. And then strengths. What is strong to you? Maybe maybe bullhorns or maybe, you know, whatever comes to your brain as something that says strong to you, then you would take all of your symbols you come up with and make art. Yeah. Essentially. Um, If you haven't seen her uh any of the the listeners if you haven't seen any of her work you can go to her instagram i think it's just at laura tempest sackroff and she is amazing Mm -hmm. and she's like the witchiest witch i think i've ever met in my life (laughs) i will put i will put a link to her book and a link to her instagram i'll put that in the show notes so everybody can check that out but i love that she's the witchiest witch now i have to go and investigate but I believe you. <laughs> but that sounds cool. Yeah. So yeah, there's different ways to make sigils. Also have a book and I have not gotten to read the book yet. I have a shelf full of books, especially now that I have a podcast where I talk to authors and I don't get to read their books. I read a couple mm-hmm. lines. So when I can talk to them, I ask questions, mm-hmm. but then never get to read the whole thing. Benabel Wen has a book about, I think it's called Food Talisman. So these are like sigils, but they're special symbols from Taoism. It's pretty interesting. And she writes about, yeah, she writes about each one and what they mean and like how people can use them. It's very cool. So there you go. You got three different ways. That's free, everybody. You got three different (laughs) ways to make sigils. You didn't even have to pay for it because this podcast is free. Okay. Oh, so like I said, we were, before we started talking about sigils, which is a wonderful topic. We could probably do a whole podcast on that. We're going to talk about some happy home spells. And I got this out of Encyclopedia of 5,000 Spells. Yay! By Judica Ills. We love Judica Ills on this podcast. Mm -hmm. I use all of her books for everything and a lot of my research. Yeah, she's made my life really easy. Um, I just, anytime I need to look something up, I just get her book from my bookshelf and I'm like, great, I don't have to go on the internet. <laughs> yes, I hope people buy her books for me because one day I'm going to email her and be like, ma'am, I just want you to know I've been plugging you since I started my podcast. Um, I'm sure she's awesome. She um, is. She's so sweet. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, she sounds cool. Maybe we'll have her on one day. All right. So the first spell that I found that I really thought was cute was it's called the Ashes spell. And this is a Russian spell and it's to protect and maintain the stability of the home. So what people do is gather ashes from seven wood stoves and sprinkle them onto your stove, hearth or cauldron. But that's Yeah. yeah, that's cute. Except you have to get it from seven different stoves, which may be annoying if you have to go around to your friends and be like, hey, Barbara, can I have some of your ashes? And she's going to be like, for what? And you're like, don't worry about it. <laughs> Barb. Then we have some others. Let's see. What's the other one I liked? Oh, this one has to do with gin. And we love gin on this podcast because gin are. This is the thing about gin that I love. They're out of control and they don't care. They're one of those like, they're what? 
Jin and okay. Jin to me, like fairy folk are like a little cute. Like they can be a little annoying, but like they're a little cute sometimes. And you think of like, oh, fairies, they're small. They're so cute. Like how much bad can they do? They can be bad, but Jin are out here like, we don't give a fuck. Like <laughs> some of them. <laughs> they're like, we're spirits, but they're not like binary how we see some other spirits. Jin are just like, we're doing whatever we feel like this day. Um, it's we're basically humans, but we have powers. And some days we're getting bad moves and we just want to fuck everything up and ruin your day. And you're like, oh, okay, you're a gin. That's cool. Um, so just be careful. People, I hear people on TikTok. Oh, yeah, I work with these gin. Gin are technically like trickster spirits, except they're more unpredictable than your average trickster mm-hmm. spirit. And, okay, also preface, I'm obviously not the expert on all these types of things, but this is from what I know. <laughs> There's a lot of trickster spirits that you work with, say you work with like big deities like Loki or something. But like Loki's not always really going to screw you. If you work with Loki and you're used to a lot of these spirits, they're not going to screw you. One of my one of my biggest spirits that I'm in touch with is a Nancy and he's a trickster spirit and he never screws me because he knows that I'm like on his side. I give him offerings. We're we're very cool. We've been cool since I was born. Like we we got an agreement. But like some of these small spirits you can't trust them, bitches. I'm just saying. You got to be careful, okay? <laughs> I'm just warning you because I see people, again, TikTok, man. Witch talk, everybody's out here just doing whatever. Calm down, number one. Yeah. <laughs> just calm down. Out here just summoning whatever. Calm down, please. Because then you're going to call me. You're going to call Amberly and you'll be like, I have a problem. And we're going to be like, fuck the B.A.O. Hey, listen, do you think I want to come to your house and be doing exorcism and shit? To be honest, no, I don't want to get caught up in that. I will if you need help, but calm down. Everybody relax. So, yeah, this is hard. If you want to summon stuff, I wouldn't recommend summoning fairies and summoning gin. Just chill out a little bit. If it's a fairy, it's got to be a big fairy. Morgana Le Fay or something big. And again, we'll do a show on her too because she's pretty cool. Anyway, I went on my rant about summoning gin. Don't do it. Okay, another spell. These are there's a couple gin spells. So this spell has to do with the fact that apparently, gin will sometimes just go into an empty house and occupy it. Same way most haunted houses, right? You'd be like, oh, it's haunted because it's abandoned. So they say spirits don't like a vacuum. They like to be in there and they like to mess around, but they're usually lower level spirits. They're not like big spirits. If you want to go into an empty house and mess with a gin, you could do this one. You want to invoke Lala Konuna, which is a gin. Again, I don't recommend it, but do whatever you want. With offerings of fragrant incense, to serve the guardian of the new home before the family moves in to ensure no maleficent, no, no badgin. Like, so- I was going to give you the word, but I'm like, I can't say anything. I know. I'm sorry. I can't either. I don't know what's happening. My brain has just melted. And it's just nothing's coming through. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Malevolent. That's a big word. Like, exactly. Lots of, like... And you don't think of, I, think of things like that very often. I'm literally looking at the word like I know this word. Right. right. <laughs> Why can't I say it? 
Um, okay, and so you would call her in with incense and you ask her not to bring any bad gin in. And then after you call her with incense, you appeal to her verbally and you tell her what you need. So that's a spell if you want to work with gin. Then we got another spell here. This is a family unity spell if you're having rifts in your family. This helps heal rifts between the family. This might be hard if you're having problems with your family because you need one hair from the head of each person in the family who's involved in the problem. Now, if you've got no contact with this person, you might be hard to get a piece of their hair. You might have to get a little sneaky. You might have to break into somebody's house. Do I endorse break-ins? No. This is my thought on that. If you are incapable of getting a certain aspect of a spell, say, like, like I am not in contact with my mother. And if I wanted to, to do some sort of spell where I want her to contact me, since I can't do something like have one of her hairs, maybe she wrote me a letter once, or mm-hmm. uh, yes. maybe I have a picture of her where we were close. Or maybe something that she gave me as a child that's really important and really means something, means my mom, right? Yeah. That Judica actually said to me on the episode that I brought her on that her spells are starting points. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have one aspect of the spell, think about how you could replace that. Yes. And also, you can also just go to their hairbrushes. Yeah. Yeah. That too. <laughs> You could do that. Yeah, absolutely. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you could totally just do that. Yeah. So, yeah. And that is perfect. And that is such a good point. Yeah. You don't, all these things, I'm glad you got confirmation from the actual author. But yes, all these things are always, you can just use proxies for things. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have this specific yeah. thing when it comes to these spells. You can do whatever you would like. It's the same way people, everybody's a little different the way they practice. I didn't go into, oh, you have to cast a circle or do it. Do whatever makes you happy. Do it the way that you like to do it. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. These are just some of the ways that you could bring people together. And then the next we have happy home charm bag. I love a little charm bag. It's cute. You'll need a bay leaf. Bay leaf, just have them around. You'll need them anyway for soups. And then you'll need them for spells. You need Mm -hmm. bay leaves anyway. Just get a big bag. One garlic clove. We love a garlic clove. And you're going to need one for each family member. So if you have four family members, you need four garlic cloves and four bay leaves. You're going to put them in a charm bag and you're going to add some salt, a pinch of five finger grass, and an iron nail. You're going to dress the bag with a van protection or St. Martha the Dominator oil. And a lot of these different oils, there's always, just like Amberly just said, you can get replacements or you can get oils with those same energies. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to have exactly that oil if you can't find it or it's, if it's like ridiculously expensive and you can't afford that. That's okay. Because um, we do spells on a budget. Um, we do. That's right. Oh, yeah. I totally, I trust me, I do shamanism on a budget all the time. Um, oh, I can afford that. Uh, but I can afford this. I can find outside. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love shamanism on a budget. Then you're going to hang it in a discreet place within your home and you're going to anoint the oil fresh every week. I read one time and I love this quote that spells are prayers with props. That's basically what it is. Exactly right. Yeah. So when you do quote unquote spells, you're putting, it's not just the physical. It's not just you getting some oil and some bay leaves and putting it in a bag. You're putting all your intentions in it. If you're saying, 
I want to have a happy home. I want to help repair relationships in my family. I want to do this. You're using all your intentions on that thing to help that happen. But also know that sometimes things are going to happen not the way you want them to happen. This is not something right. something you, when I was 14, you couldn't tell me that because I just expected everything to happen the way it said in the book. I went outside and buried an apple or whatever. Like, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but realize that, for instance, I'm just thinking of examples like rifts in people's family. Lots of people have issues in their family. They don't speak to certain people in their family for a multitude of reasons. Sometimes the healing that comes when you say, I want to heal this rift, it may not be you're going to start become best friends or your relationship is going to be repaired with that person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the healing may be with somebody else and you didn't expect to talk to that other person. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're going to find the therapist that you never knew that you had needed for years, or Mm -hmm. you're going to go through some profound experience that's going to help you realize why you don't need these people in your life. So exactly right yeah always keep that in mind when you do magical things it's not just the end result might not be what you want but it's always what you need that's right yes the universe can be a pickle tickle bitch sometimes oh tell me about it (laughs) sometimes i'd be doing stuff and you'd be praying for something you're like wow this really had to happen like this though wow that's crazy yes Are you guys even on my side? They are. Um, They're like, I know you thought that you needed that thing, but you actually need to do this. And you're like, wow, really? I go through more struggles? Damn, that's crazy. Um, Okay. Another home protection spell we have. I know you guys want a home protection spell because who does that? This one's easy. Collect rocks and pebbles from your travels, especially places you feel safe and happy. I know I love my local park. I would go there. You would charge them in your hands. You keep them in a open terracotta pot. You can buy a terracotta pot at Home Depot for like $3 if you want one. And you can use it to cast circles for rituals or protections as needed. River rocks are really good for this. If you have a shallow little stream somewhere in your town, um, river rocks are really good for a lot of stuff, for clearing and protection and all that good stuff. And usually because they've just been there forever. So... Those are really good. It's free. Um, scoop them up. Put your intentions in them. Leave them around your yard and your house. Good stuff. Okay. Oh, I like this one. This is a... Now, this is for you crafty witches out there. This is a joy and laughter oil, which I thought was cute. Joy and laughter oil. It's going to be sweet orange, lime, and pink grapefruit to a base of jojoba oil. You're going to dress candles with this oil and burn throughout the home to instill joy and laughter. Loving that. Yes. Um, Sweet orange, lime, and pink grapefruit. And jojoba oil is those things also not that expensive if you want to do something like that. Especially orange oil is like very cheap. Um, I have jojoba oil on um, a, what's that? recurring basis that comes to my house subscription i have a whole oh, yeah, oil yeah. subscription yes because i use so much <laughs> yes it's good for your face it's good for your magical work it's good for everything and then last but not least we have a relocation spell if you're moving this relocation spell 
it's you use a horseshoe. So it's called a relocation spell, horseshoe, easy relocation spell. So you wrap a horseshoe in red thread so only the tips are left exposed. Attach the horseshoe with tips facing downward to a square of cardboard. Decorate the cardboard with sequins, glitter glue, lucky seeds, beans, votive images of St. Martin Caballero or St. Martin of Tours. When the physical aspect of the spell is complete, activate its blessings of good fortune by repeating the words... Citron Nuvi, nine fruits, 21 times. Ooh, keep track. And that'll help you with relocating. Very nice. Very nice. Yay. Okay. I can, I, I want to add a little, add whatever you want. Yes. So recently my parents moved from California to Arkansas and I told my mom to grab some ash or even just like a little not fully burnt Mm -hmm. stick. From her fireplace wood burning stove. Goodness gracious. <laughs> That's okay. And then when we got to Arkansas, we lit a fire with that. And so we brought the all the happiness from the last home into the new home. Oh. So That's nice. And also when you move, never bring your broom. Buy a new broom. Yes. That one I've heard. Always buy a new broom. And I know some people put um brooms or be sums over their doorways for protection mm-hmm. of the house. That's very common. You can buy really cute ones on the internet. Who's that one lady who makes awesome be sums? I'll put it in the show notes because I can't remember, but I follow her and I took one of her classes. It's awesome. Or you can make your own. You can get a little mm-hmm. whatever you like, but they're super cute. You can buy fancy ones or you can make your own. I always want to get a new broom. Okay. Okay. Speaking of the home. This goes into our story time. Today at our story time, we're going to talk about Bridget. As it goes, I always joke that that goddesses and gods get popular and unpopular. Not unpopular, but there's goddesses that are more popular than others just in the in the culture. I'd say Bridget is po- pretty popular. I like to talk about obscure goddesses, but sometimes I have to talk about popular ones. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about Bridget. Now, mostly everybody's talking about, heard about Brig, Bridget. It's the same name said differently. I'm not going to try to say it the Celtic way because you know how I do with pronunciations. It's always a mess. So we're going to say Bridget. Bridget is basically the patron saint of Ireland and the goddess that everybody knows that's Irish. Or she's part of the mythical group of gods from Ireland, the Tunan de Danann, which are a whole bunch of different gods and goddesses. The only one that comes off the top of my head that I know that is associated with them is Lou, L-U-G-H. And Mm -hmm. I don't even know that much about Lou. I realized when I started to do research, I was like, damn, I don't know anything about Celtic mythology. I thought I did. It's a lie. Don't know much. I know a lot about well, Lunasa is named after Lou. Oh my god, how come I never made that? <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. I never even duh that I never made that. Well, that's why not many people actually celebrate Lunasa because it's specific, it's pretty specific to that deity. Right. Makes sense. So and, yeah. other people do Lamas instead. Yes. Yeah. 
Lunasaw is in the middle of the summer, right? Which one is? Uh, Lunasaw is actually, we just, I think we just had it. Yeah, it's, we just had it. It's like August 1st. Okay. And it's the first of the the harvest festivals. Great. Lunasaw, yes. Lunasaw is August 1st, harvest festival. It's one of the eight Sabbaths for, on the pagan calendar, everybody. On the whale of the year. Okay, cool. Brig, Bridget, she shows up early right pre-christian ireland she was there one of the first with with lou and she is the daughter of the dogda and the wife of breeze who she had a son with named rudon now of course i'm saying all this wrong because we all know <laughs> that the celts love to mix like the english and the celtic language don't mix right <laughs> everything they really that, don't they don't everything that's spelled out for you if it's a celtic name it's pronounced completely different than you think it is. I apologize. Doing my best. She is a goddess associated with wisdom, poetry, healing, protection, smithing, like blacksmiths and things like that, and domesticated animals. She also provi- presides over the production of ale. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look at her. She has dominion over wisdom, education, and learning. She's associated with sacred fires and holy wells. She has in Kildare, Ireland, she has her own church where they believe that pre-Christian times, there were devotees of Bridget who held their sacred fire that they kept burning all the time. I think actually they kept it burning for like hundreds of years, this one fire. Yeah, and actually post-Christianism, like when the Christians came in, they Mm -hmm. created this St. Bridget. Yes. And they did it for a long time. And I cannot think off the top of my head when the fire went out but they've actually since then relit yes and there are lots of small sects all over the world mm-hmm. that keep a fire burning for bridget yes and you know what's so bad i've been there and i'm acting like i've been to kildare to the island and seen her the fire and i'm acting like i know nothing about it i forgot i think i was there the whole time just like, this is cool like it's really cool there's a whole church um built there it's very neat um it's a beautiful place so she has a lot of oh and there's all over ireland i've been to a couple of them all over Ireland, there's sacred wells for Bridget. And you go there and you have to mm-hmm. take these ribbon, these ties. They have to be like pure cotton strips. They're called cootie ties. Mm-hmm. And you put your intentions into them, like what you want to manifest, what you wish for. And you tie them on the trees near her sacred wells. That's one of the things you'll see a lot in Ireland. It's very neat. She loves poets, midwives, writers, artisans, snake charmers. And especially, oh, yeah, I know that one. Yeah. Me either. Okay, so Bridget really likes snakes, so she's cool with snake charmers. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's all about the snakes, even though there's no snakes in Ireland. But it's fine. She's cool about it. She's become a symbol of Ireland, and I know we've talked about this with other deities. So unlike deities like and Baba Yaga, who were like, yes, oh, who are fantastic deities. When I found out mm-hmm. about Faraberta, I was like, I'm obsessed. Like. <laughs> And Bobby, we've been close since 2015. We're homies. They were seen as, they were goddesses, but then they were turned into evil people once the Christians came. They're like, oh, they're not good enough. But Bridget, she got the awesomeness of becoming a saint. 
So now we have St. Bridget, who has a lot of the same attributes as Bridget the goddess. So it's nice when that happens sometimes. She was seen as a good goddess. So they were like, oh, she can be a saint and we can keep worshiping her, but we have to just act like we're super Catholic now. It's fine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) She... She can be seen in many of her three forms. She can be seen as the maiden, the mother of the crone. So she's seen as a triple deity, obviously, in so many religions and spiritual paths. We have the number three, Christianity, the father, the son, the Holy Spirit. The maiden, the mother of the crone is a very popular in many different pagan paths. You have that structure. Mm-hmm. So sometimes she's also seen, here we go again with the serpents, as a serpent with a wreath around her head. She's also associated with water and fire. So people say she's extra magical because, right, water and fire can't really exist together in one place, but Bridget can make it do that. So she's awesome. Mm -hmm. She also really loves swans and vultures. The Irish, if you look at a lot of Irish folktales, they really love swans. They talk about swans a lot. Yeah. They're so mean. Swans are so mean. They're so (laughs) nasty. I know, but like... Which is insane to me that Irish people like them so much because Irish people are like the nicest freaking people. What right. like swans are that? You guys are so it's awesome. It's the beauty, not the. Exactly. We're all about the aesthetic. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's crazy. Her festival is the festival of Imbolc, which is February the first. This Imbolc festival is the Gaelic pagan festival. It's on that wheel of the year we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. So it's halfway between winter solstice and spring solstice. It's also mm-hmm. called like the first light. It's when it starts to get a little light again. And everyone's like, yay, the world hasn't ended. It's fine. So everyone gets really excited. Also, I love this story that it says that Bridget made the first whistle. They attribute, yeah, I was like, what? They attribute her to making the first whistle because she wanted to protect women who had to walk around at night from being assaulted, which I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I was like, damn, Bridget, out here helping the girls. Appreciate it always. I was like, that's really cool. Okay, and the other thing I just wanted to mention that I thought was interesting, not necessarily Bridget, but remember everybody, we talked about this a long time ago too. Remember how in like, especially in Haitian voodoo, there's the Loao. So these are different gods and goddesses that are attributed to Haitian voodoo. And because of the whole slavery thing, remember, we did talk about this. They had to take a lot of saints and put them in place, not in place, but use those attributes to describe their own gods. They did that. So Bridget's one of those mm-hmm. saints that they use. So in Haitian voodoo, we have Madame Brigitte, and mm-hmm. she was brought to the Caribbean. Also, how did they even hear about Madame Brigitte? You wonder. We also talk about this on another podcast. I don't know if it's coming up because I don't remember the order um, yes. that I'm doing this in. But Bridget, St. Bridget, was brought to the Caribbean by Irish and Scottish indentured mm-hmm. servants who ended up mixing a lot with the Caribbean African slaves. So she in Haitian voodoo, she's associated with the queen of the cemetery and the spirit world. And then in Ifa, she's associated with Oya, who is the protector of cemeteries and thunderstorms and stuff. But anyway, back to Madame Brigitte. Madame, Madame Brigitte is also married to Baron Samedi and is venerated along with him. She's called on for fertility and healing. She's also called on to help any kids that are sick. She's also one of the big saints worshipped in New Orleans. 
She helps children mm-hmm. of she helps parents who are praying to protect their kids who are in the military. She's invoked for financial prosperity, and she is also a judge and is invoked for blessings in court cases. And actually, even though she is a Haitian Luau, she's traditionally seen as a Caucasian person, which I thought was interesting, too. So So, this is not anything to do with Bridget, but Mm -hmm. something to do with the Irish and Scottish indentured servants that went to the Caribbean. The Caribbean accent yes is a mixture yes of of the two cultures coming together there and so you can hear it sometimes the irish is in there some in some places and i just think i love dialects i'm obsessed with them i think it's so cool seeing the way they develop yes okay so this is super specific but it's exactly what you're saying when I was in Ireland, we had a tour guide. He is so awesome. His name is Tony. So sweet. He was our bus driver. Tony's from Cork, and we were in Cork a lot of the time. Now, our host, who's there, Thea, who's also awesome, she was telling us how people in Cork have some of the thickest Irish, ac- the thickest accents there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you hear it, it's like a guttural accent. Mm-hmm. If anybody knows anybody from... Now I'm talking about in the bush in Jamaica. We're talking about like cockpit country. We're talking about the hills. Like this is part of where part of my family is from on my mom's side. They have that accent. It is so hard to understand. But even other Jamaican people will be like, my own grandfather, I remember my own grandfather was, it was hard for him to understand his siblings who had lived there. Wow. Uh, Yeah. Like, but the accent is very similar. If you hear, if you put somebody who's from Jamaica, like really deep from it, and you put somebody from Cork and you listen to them speak, you can hear the similarities. It's wild, but it's the same thing. A lot of those indentured servants, they mixed with the slaves and the accents ended up being very similar. They traded stories. They traded cultures. There's a lot mm-hmm. of that. They intermarried a lot. So you hear Mm -hmm. that accent in Jamaica a lot, especially. That's my personal knowledge of that, but it's very I love it. I love that you had personal knowledge of it. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. I I just saw it on like PBS or something. It's true though. And like even the same thing in Appalachia, you have a lot of that accent. People are worthy. People get these really thick accents. It's from the Irish Scott groups that ended up in Appalachia. All these mm-hmm. di- all die. I'm also obsessed with language and dialects. I think it's fascinating too how people could end up in one area and sound so different and how it's related. Mm-hmm. What's a fun language fact that I tell everybody? My best friend told me this because she went on vacation with her husband. Okay, because the Norwegian people. Sorry, we're off topic. Everybody, I'm gonna get back on. Um, <laughs> Because this the is the best part of all podcasts, I think, is when you like just go yes. off on the tangent. So the Norwegian people got to um, Iceland, and I think 800 BCE. So basically, so actually, Icelandic people are speaking like ancient Norwegian. That's very interesting. Yeah, I wonder what yeah. the Welsh are speaking. The well, oh, who knows what the Welsh are saying? Welsh are speaking whatever the Welsh want. I've ended up on Welsh TikTok a lot. 
I enjoy it. I love, I, I would love to move to Wales. Like I have, I, I don't want people to think that I'm, I disres- I'm disrespecting, but I don't even know what all those letters mean. Oh, that's just like crazy. Wales is another, Welsh, Welsh is another language. It's just don't do the, don't, we can't use English letters for Welsh. We had a guest on who was, he's learning Welsh and he was saying the same thing. There's certain things you just can't spell because in Welsh, it doesn't make sense. Right. Welsh is so cool. I love it. I love that. I think, I know that Welsh, English is way more, is way more connected to Germanic languages than Latin. English is like not a romance language. I always thought it was, but it's not because it's way more connected to Germanic languages. And I think Welsh is way more connected to Gaelic and the, those, the Celtic languages, I think. Mm-hmm. But everything, there's no vowels, and that's okay. They don't need vowels because yeah. they're that cool. And you also got... So my daughter is studying Scottish Gaelic, mm. and I actually... So I'm, I live in Virginia, mm-hmm. and I'm on the board of directors of the Virginia Scottish Games, and we have the Gaelic language village from every year. Mm. And they teach people a little bit of Gaelic, because yeah. I guess there's a place in Baltimore that teaches the language. but. I had a I had a point. I had a point. <laughs> You'll find it. Gaelic, and we're talking about the Scottish language a group that comes every year. And yeah. Your daughter. Um, I don't know. So, like, their words are weird. <laughs> their words <laughs> are weird. Yeah, and you know what? In Ireland, all this, and I was so surprised when I went there that all the signs were in gaelic and english mm-hmm. and i was like oh i thought here i am thinking that this uh, another thing i'm obsessed with dead languages i don't think any language oh, should yeah. die. i don't think anything should die when it comes to culture it bothers me i love yes. i love ritual i love culture i love language so like when i see dead language it makes me so sad like a lot of indigenous languages mm-hmm. where there's one or two yeah. people who speak it and it's, it sucks but uh, yeah. yeah i thought it was a dead language but it's not. It, it's alive and well. It's kicking. Right. People are learning it. For a long time, it was outlawed. People weren't allowed to speak their language. Mm-hmm. They're, it's, they're taking it back now, and they're putting a lot of the signs. Gaelic, it's really neat. Yeah, and Scots Gaelic and Irish Gaelic are similar, but yeah. not exactly yeah. the same. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, but very yeah. cool. All of that is is super neato. It really is. It's very cool. And yes, and Germanic, sorry, just came into my head. We're also, English is also really related to a lot of Norse languages. If you hear Mm -hmm. people speak Swedish, sometimes you can pick up on it because you're like, huh? Is it speaking English? It sounds like they're interjecting English a lot of the time. A lot of their words are very similar. Even basic, the name Erikson, it was Mm -hmm. Eric's son. Or, yeah. Bjorn's daughter. It was Bjorn's daughter. Like that's mm-hmm. that was why their last name is that. Yep. My son is named Jackson because his grandfather was named Jack. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. The North were like, we just want to know who your dad is. I don't think they had a lot that's of right. yeah. <laughs> before there were like regular surnames, people had other ways of telling who you where you came from. So yeah. Yeah. That's our rant on languages. So glad that we went on it. It was yeah. a ride. I love it. So that brings us 
to the end of the show. So, Amberly, it's been awesome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So just yes. tell people where they can find you on the internet, anything you're doing that you want to tell us about. Yeah. Let us know. Okay. I want to touch a little bit more on Bridget just for people who want to learn more about her. Please do. One of my favorite books is called Bridget's Light. Um, it's edited by Carol Crow and Laura Luella. It's fantastic. It's a collection of um, memoirs and stories about Bridget. Uh, unfortunately, Bridget is not, even though many people love her, there's not a lot known about her, really, mm-hmm. from pre-Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, another good one, oh, darn it, I just had it, and, and it went away. Um, a Bright Light by somebody it went away is a good one and on facebook if you're interested in joining there is a group of bridget devotees Mm. called sisters of the flame and you can join and sometimes they have openings where somebody will leave the circle and you are assigned a number to light the candle that that day Mm-hmm. you don't have to do that it's completely optional but sometimes that is an option those are some great things for bridget you can find me on instagram and facebook at the hearth and hedge on my website the which has all of my past episodes not all of them because i just revamped and i'm still catching up i have some really great merch some great band books <laughs> merch that i love I also hand curate uh, altar tools. I go and I find really amazing altar tools in antique stores and I bring them to you. So those are available. All of my resources pages are on there. So everything I ever talk about on the website, I have on there. Eventually there will be a blog, but like you, I work, I have two children, life happens. I'm trying to go through like my show credits. <laughs> I have a Patreon. You can find me on patreon.com slash the hearth. And you can email me at the hearth and at gmail.com. I just published my 77th episode. So there's plenty of backlog. If, if you feel like binging, <laughs> don't mind the first few episodes because they were real bad. Same. But, you know, we live and we learn. So totally. hopefully the new ones are, are are a little bit more professional. (laughs) (laughs) It's no problem. Yes. Oh, and then I remembered while you were talking also, there's another book too. I'm going to put links to all these books and and that Facebook group so people can look at it if they want. Called Bridget. I don't think, I think it's just called Bridget by Courtney Weber. That's also a really good one. So you got a lot of reading to do if you're interested in Bridget. We have some sources. That's right. Yes. And... Mm -hmm. One more thing. So yeah. if you are a big bookie, mm-hmm. like I am obsessed with books. Part of the reason why I continue to do the podcast is because people just keep sending me free books, <laughs> which is great. If you want to join the Hearth and Hedge Book Club, we just started a new book. It is The Shadow Cabinet. I don't know when this is going to come out, so we may have... Nope, it's not The Shadow Cabinet. It's Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. We may or may not have finished by the time this comes out, but that is on Patreon at the $5 level and up. You get to join the book club and you get face-to-face. You get me face-to-face on Marco Polo. You have have access to me anytime you want. (laughs) I love Marco Polo. 
when I jump on. You have yeah. access to me. <laughs> I love Marco Polo. So, it's great. I do too. It's wonderful. Yes. Okay. This has been so great. Thank you so much, Amberly, for spending time here with me and with the listeners. And yeah, again, thank you for having me. Of course. And everybody, you know what time it is. It's the end, but I got to tell you one more time because you keep forgetting. Just kidding, you're not. I This show is called Dine with the Divine, and we are at Dine with the Divine on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok. Again, if you like the show, I super appreciate you giving me a rating or a review. It actually does way more for the show than money does. Trust me, it, it goes a long way. Sure yeah. So make sure you sub- you're subscribed to us it's free on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever platform you listen to us on if you have any suggestions for episodes or you have any comments or anything to add please email me at dine with the divine pod at gmail.com if you have any questions and comments i can always read it on the show if you want to follow me ashley i'm at sankova hs on instagram and on threads i'm on threads now and <laughs> and i'm saying go be healing sanctuary on facebook Thank you guys so much for being here. And I hope you have a wonderful week. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.